Welcome, this is James Barclay and this is Unprecedented Business Growth. Welcome, we're going to talk today about the Asian consumers' expectations unfulfilled. We'll talk about the perils entrepreneurs trip over regularly. It's hilarious to watch and excruciating in equal measure. My first area that I often find is unfulfilled is the problem of projecting bias in terms of understanding what it is that the Asian consumer wants and what it is you are offering them. Too often I observe that Asian consumers find they are forced to make choices over brands that don't directly and promises within those brands that don't correctly link to their particular needs. My concern around that is that often those brands and the premise that lies behind them is based on certain biases. Those biases are often based on the reference points that the individuals who have formulated the brands have brought with them. So, for example, a hotel brand that is based in North America and has been hugely successful in its local market in the motel space is looking to enter the Chinese marketplace. It sees the roadside highways idea, not under similar to the Wyndham growth that took place in the earlier part of the 20th century, and sees that as an opportunity for growth by the assumption that by proximity to close railway transport and motor transport infrastructure, there will be huge opportunities for hotel growth. The challenge, of course, with that is that that premise, which is built around the growth of the American economy and the historic path it took in terms of railroads and transportation and the growth of hospitality along that path, made sense in America because of the particular circumstances that prevailed. And so what happens is that that American ideal gets plastered into China. Yet often, the migration and the movement of people and the opportunities that have arisen that have created the growth of the Chinese dream is a different set of circumstances. So I would argue that you need to be very careful about the biases that underlie any brand. My second area of concern is around formulating strategy models 5,000 miles away from the home market. The reality is that most strategy fails in its implementation because it's a real-world translation of a perfect paper exercise. Too often I observe that great ideas are picked up on the front line in India or in Southeast Asia, are taken back to Paris, London, Milan, and a brand is formulated where the local people back in Southeast Asia are asked to implement it. In that transformation process has been actually a dilution of the original idea to fit a model which no longer has correct application in Southeast Asia. I would urge organizations to bring their strategy formulation and implementation into Asia. Do not let this reside in your home market or in your head office. The third area I'd like to discuss is around culture. One presumes that cultures are wildly different in different parts of the world And that's the normal premise for many international business executives heading outside of their home markets. But the reality is that we're far more alike than we are different. 
A 23-year-old in Shanghai is just as likely to have the same music taste as a 23-year-old in Los Angeles or Dusseldorf. Now, that might surprise many of you, but that is the case. And I'd urge you to think carefully about the impact and the differences of culture and not get caught up in myths. The fourth area I'd like to focus on is around value perceptions. For example, in those businesses that are in the advisory area, the value of the advice is in the results that arise from it. The challenge is that the individual needs to be educated around the value. And in many Asian organizations and in many Asian cultures, the value of advice is a relatively new place. Now, I discount places such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Tokyo, and Kuala Lumpur in that area. But I would say that when you get into the secondary and tertiary cities in China, you're having a much bigger struggle about education around advice. And my advice to you is to take it slowly, to start with thinking, how can I educate my customers about the value of the advice that I'm providing? And how can I show tangibly the impact that that has on their improvement, whether it's to their customers, their business, or their brand? My final area of focus in the Asian consumer's expectations is around relationship building. The pace of relationships in China and India and many other Asian countries is entirely different to the pace that would run in North America or in Western Europe. That's a function of how the comfort zones of many people in those particular countries like to work. You need to adjust the speed and also the tactics that you apply to build trust. It's imperative that you take your time and you don't project, again, the biases that have worked in particular North American or Western European markets about building relationships with key clients. But they may be very different, particularly when you're dealing with local companies and local executives in those markets. There we have it. We have five key areas around Asian consumers' expectations are unfulfilled. What this leaves, of course, is a huge opportunity for you. But many of the organizations, large and small, are making these same mistakes day in and day out. You're thinking about expanding into these markets, fearful of these organizations, their success, the scale, size of their brands, and the breadth of resources that they have to work with. But the reality is that you and your organization can enter these markets faster, quicker, smarter, and with much more of impact than many of these large-scale brands have had. Why? Because they're the ones who continue to make the same mistakes today. You don't have to be that same person. You've been listening to Unprecedented Business Growth with me, James Barclay.